Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. After Party Pod is brought to you by the book Ending Addiction for Good, which is by Cliffside Treatment Center founder and CEO Richard Tate and Dr. Constance Scharf, Cliffside's addiction researcher. Through self-disclosure, case studies, scientific facts, and firsthand experience, Tate and Scharf explain how anyone can recover from addiction. The book is great. I'm a fan of it. And it I'm not the only one. It's received rave reviews and it made it into the VMA's gift bag. And you just know those people need to hear this message. You can get the book on Amazon, of course, or by going to their website, which is cliffsidemalibu.com. Hey guys, it's Anna. Yeah. Whoa. The microphone just did a weird thing. That's kind of what happens when you have high-tech recording studio like I do. Anyway, hi, missed you. Are, are you all okay with this, like, every other week thing? Because, yeah, the workload, it was getting to be crazy. And plus, I started to worry that I was going to run out of um, sober alcoholics if I kept up with this crazy, you know, 52 episodes a year because I think long-term like that. Anyway, so we switched to bi-monthly at you know something I heard, and I have no idea. I could Google it. You could Google it right now because I can't Google it because I'm talking to you. But bi-monthly apparently means both twice a month and every other month. I mean, someone told me that a long time ago, and I, it was so long ago that, that there was no Google, so I, ne- I didn't go check it, and I've been sort of repeating it as fact ever since. So I don't know if that's true, but, um, but anyway, it, this is, podcast is now bi-monthly, and I mean every other week, not every other month. And, uh, you know, write me. Write me if you know the answer to that. We'll have a little interaction going. Maybe I'll even talk about it in the next podcast. Anyway, um, today's guest uh, was so, so interesting. Um, He's a guy named D.H. Peligro, and you know him as the drummer from the Dead Kennedys. He was also in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, And he has lived a crazy, crazy life because you sort of get used to around these parts hearing you know, people tell stories and, you know, you're, you stop being shocked. You start regularly hearing in sobriety stories about, yeah, you know, it's like I died and, you know, I died for a few minutes. I overdosed. I, I you know, I, they cut off part of my body because it was gangrene because of shooting into it. This, this was a story that, that kind of, I, I've never actually heard anything this bad. He has a new book out. It's called Dreadnought, King of Afropunk. And, you should get this book. It, it is, it's a crazy story. So the guy has been to rehab, he estimates 30 times, maybe 31. And what I didn't know when I reached out to him is that he is, he's actually in treatment now. He's getting out. He will be out by the time you hear this. But um, I interviewed him while he was, he was getting out of treatment like the next day. And, um, and you know, he's really honest about his, his struggles with this disease. You know, he comes from a lot of trauma, um, and, 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 you know, and he says that, that he hadn't completely dealt with it and it started to come up and, and, um, and now it sounds like he's in therapy and he is dealing with it because obviously trauma and addiction are so, so, so very connected and, you know, he and I get into this in, in this episode, but, you know, it's not something that even when I went to treatment, which was, you know, a little over a decade ago, they didn't really get into that and in a way that I that I, I don't think that was being emphasized in 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 treatment the way it is now and I think it's a great thing because um, because most a lot of sober people I know suffered incredible trauma um, 
as children. So he talks about that. He talks about joining those two iconic bands. He talks about the part of his body. This is a really disgusting, not safe for work part where he talked. I made him do it, but it, it, it repulsed me. I say that with a lot of affection. He's an amazing guy, but it's like, he's talking about like parts of his body, like leaking out and surgery where he wasn't really knocked out because he had this super high tolerance. So he saw like pus being squeezed from his body onto the walls of the hospital. I mean, Jesus. Um, and, um, you know, living with these like crazy people in San Francisco, moving to LA and being on some, you know, on a bus kind of living on a bus. And then, um, moving into Jane's room of, of, you know, Jane's addiction uh, in Perry Farrell's house and, um, and all the different rehabs and lives, you know, he has led. And he brought his, his lovely lady. I didn't inquire. I got the feeling she was his lady. She came. Her name is Garuda. That's not her birth name. She talks about it. We interview her. This is a two-parter. Um, I didn't ever get, I want, I meant to ask and I forgot what her, you know, name she was given before she gave herself the name Garuda. But um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I, I think you will. I think you should buy his book, uh, Dreadnought, King of Afropunk. You can get it on Amazon. And um, thank you for listening. Later. I'm so sorry. We're, at ha- we're here. House Calls with Laura House. House okay, Calls. We had a little recording issue. Oh. Yeah. Laura says these amazing things, and then everybody's safe. It's I okay. Screw it up. Oh, oh God, boy. if only we kept what about what you just the, said. What about the phrase, beat yourself up? Maybe stop doing that. <laughs> That's not an expression. Oh, really? It's not an AA expression. Oh. No, it is. It's it just is. a world expression. Don't it's, beat yourself up about it. It certainly gets said a lot in there because the, everybody's doing it. The one that the, I mean, we screwed up, uh, let's be honest, I screwed up the recording. We were talking about Belly Button Birthday. And what were you saying? Recapture it for us, please. I it's a silly thing to say, but I kind I like it because to go 365 days and nights, that makes me laugh. But without <laughs> having a drink of alcohol yeah. becomes a much bigger deal than your than, actual natal oh, birthday. I yet. just didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. I, so it is kind of interesting where it's like, oh, it's my birthday. Oh, how exciting. Well, it's my belly button birthday. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think it kind of becomes that, which which I would think sounds would sound ridiculous. And it's so worth mocking if you didn't. We can't talk about it to other people. Yeah, we cannot yeah. talk about it to other people. They would just be like, that is like, it just seems so weird. But I just say like, so my... Um, <laughs> my belly button one is in, in March and it's just become so inconsequential because I look to July. Like, am I going to make it to another right, July? Right, which is right, right. the other one. But also, it kind of, yeah, I do, I, I like to do a little karaoke party on mine. Oh, boy. On my, on my soberversary. That's what my sponsee calls it. Soberversary. Yeah. All right, nice word blend. Yeah, yeah. I could have gotten your reaction to that. But soberversary. Well, it hasn't really taken off yet. She'll be lonely 10 years from now going, <laughs> I said soberversary first. Oh. No, she invents expressions left and right and doesn't want credit for it. Is she young? That's a young people thing. No, They're she, always inventing she has words. New York New York anniversary. That's too much. You know what? It's There's un- a story in the un- post about it's her. It's unnessa. You know what? <laughs> that's that's Don't unnes- try to be like her. It's unnessa. You want me to sponsor you? That's really what this is all about. <laughs> this is in Huskals Laura House. Oh my god. So this is a totally exciting morning over here at the After Party Pod Studios, right? Right. I have an actual rock star in the vicinity uh, next to my cat. Yeah, sort of. Sort of next to my cat. What's his, what's, what's his name? Cookie Puss? Okay. No. Look who has not been paying attention to, to the crucial... To- Toby. I know that's Toby. I know that's Toby and that's uh, Lionel. I'll give Lionel. you $10,000 $10, to, to say her name. Uh, and you, you had the right first... Oh, come on. Cheating. Cheat. If you, I forgot to the, mention, uh, if you cheat, you have to pay me $10,000. Oh, well, you know, you didn't say that disclaimer just yet. No, no, no. Here, I want you, I want you kind of close I'm, to the mic. Yeah, you know, I'm, let's yeah, get no, you No, no, get close to the mic. Should I, I just, tell everybody I just who have you to are? spread my legs open. Okay, just, don't listen. You know, no what? profanity into no my microphone. No profanity? No, did I say something wrong? <laughs> something no, I just legs. had to, no, I, I had to get my legs around the corner <laughs> yeah, of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's turn Goodness. this mic off. I'm kidding. No, this is D.H. Peligro. You should see Anna David just blushing right now. I, I don't blush. It's you a don't. terrible thing what? about... Me neither. I, 
Crazy. <laughs> I really don't. No? I, I used to. And you then... sw- I sweat. I tend to sweat. Oh, interesting. I'll say something really yeah. embarrassing, and then I'll just sweat. People go, why are you sweating? I'm like, oh, I got high blood, blood pressure, bad breath, B.O. and zits, and so I'm sweating. I'm just sweating. That's a great answer for your to skin, anything. Though. Yeah, you know, no. It's that's why. That's, that's, after all the hard living you've done, that's why your skin is so glowing hard and clear. Living. The hard that living. That is some hard living are you, you talking about my book the book it, the, yeah. i'm talking about your book which happens to have been about your life it is about my life it's the autobiography of my life and there was some hard living when i read dreadnought king of afropunk which is the name of the book by the way um i can't even sometimes i can't believe it's me and some i'm like i cry because it's just so touching and it's my story and i went through it and I'm, and now on the outside looking in it's what was I thinking? How crazy was it? it just seemed yeah. to be commonplace and it seemed to be just a thing to do. And to try to get over this hurdle, we're going to do this and go this way and zigzag, 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 you know, and catch the chain gang up to Chino or however, whatever. Right, There's right. so many It seemed many logical stories. in some crazy yeah, way. Right. And, you know, it just took all that for me to get to where I am now. So Cause I I'll... guess illogically it kind of makes sense because it took me on – the path that I, that I went on. It, I mean, it's it's really, honestly, the most insane path I've ever heard of. You know, it's like we were talking about Jerry Stahl before, but it's like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, because I do this work, I hear crazy stories, and plus I'm sober, you know, a while, and so I hear crazy stories. I've never, because this is like, if you heard 19 crazy stories, yeah. it, you know, and then you put them all together, then <laughs> it would be the introduction to your book. Right, the first <laughs> Like, I mean, it's like you basically before, should yeah. have died a hundred times. If not sooner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're sitting here vibrant, healthy. How long are you sober? I'm sober, uh, I got 24 hours. Okay, that's not acceptable. That the, the cat, hold on, you keep talking. Is, um, yeah. I'm sober. You're sober. <laughs> I'm sober. Um, uh, that is how much control my cats have, basically. Well, what did, did she, she walked she over a to... keyboard. Uh-huh. Because this is a very high-tech studio where cats are my right. assistants. Right, we're like on top. Just so you guys know, we're on top of the Capitol building and Nat King Cole's old room. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, don't tell them because right. we have uh, stoppers. Oops. Maybe, Sorry. if you knew how fancy these, you know, this recording <laughs> studio was. Um, but basically, my cat decided she wanted to be a part of the thing, so she stepped on a key of the keyboard that made my voice start coming out of the computer. I saw her doing that. Yeah. I was like, uh, be, I thought she was going to knock on the phone. <laughs> Lily? Lily? She's smart. She's, she's smart. She's as smart as she I am. Wants and, to be and, and involved. she doesn't have command of the English language yet. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so, and so well, we have another special guest here because we have Garuda. Come, come say hi, Garuda. Hello. I got a lovely treat when DH walked in with this lovely woman who immediately, um, you know, took to my cats. And, you know, obviously you're in my heart for life when yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and she's so lovely. And I want you to explain this thing that you were just telling me about your name and how you changed it because it's fascinating. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sober as well. And um, like so many of us do, we want to avoid um, the things that actually help us stay sober. Mm. So one of the things I did is I, um, I explored all these different spiritual paths. And um, one of the positive things I got out of that is my name, which is Garuda Love. And um, one of the things that they taught us, which I do agree with, is that your name is like a mantra because you identify with it. You associate yourself with your name and you are associated by that with everyone you sign your name you hear yourself called by that name infinite times through your life so the logic is have a name that embodies an intention of who you want to grow into who you want to be so garuda is a bird deity in um Hindu tradition in many forms of Buddhism and in Buddhism particularly that's the Garuda I connect with there are many different forms of Garuda in the Shambhala Buddhism the Garuda represents um, the quality of outrageousness the wisdom the freedom just the power to be who you really really are as wild and crazy as that is because your mind is uncluttered with bullshit. Ah, That's been cleared out. That's what I want. Yeah, exactly what we all want. And I need that. And my teacher realized I needed that. And Groot is also a warrior, a protector of the body. Very fierce energy. And um, so, you know, as an addict, we're all fierce and intense. And when we sober up... Mm. 
we can use that energy for positive things. Protect you know? your body and or so my body? Garuda love. Yeah, Both. I know. Everyone's body. body. Every, body? Everyone's, Every, everyone's body. So you came here oh, and you were protecting his body and now you're also protecting mine. Protecting and yours, mine and kitties. Mm-hmm. And um, and also, I was I just had to put my kitty down yeah, two days so ago. Sorry. And there's Ooh. also an aspect of Garuda that represents at the moment of physical death, a person reaching enlightenment at the precise mm-hmm. moment the body expires. And so I had that in mind with my kitty cat because I think they all have souls and I was just, you oh, know, boy, do they there have with souls. it, praying for it. And yeah, but so the last name given to me was love so that all that fierce la, 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 comes from a place of love. Garuda love in the house. In Thank the you. House. Hi. Yes. Thank you. Um, and she's going to bring all of that to this podcast, Lucky Us. So let's the go back party podcast. to... Okay, so so you, so first I'd love to hear about how the book came about. Uh, Tyson Cornell, who's the greatest man ever. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So how did you come to have him publish it? Uh, you know, how did I... I was running around from person to person and trying to get these... You know, after years, it took like me like six years to really write this book, right? Yeah. And and you really wrote it. it. Nobody really, else wrote it. Yes, yes, I really wrote it. I had to, you know, and I've never written a book before, so it was like, I'm doing know what I'm doing. Is this right? And you know, and I just kept plugging away at doing it. So it, um, you know, with a little bit of editing, which they call killing your babies, they it kind of like ticked me off because uh, this I wanted it all to be in there, Anna David. I wanted it all, so Anna more? David. There's a lot. There's some more. There's maybe 120 more pages or something. The thing is, it That's is a long book. I will say it is. Is it? Yeah. Is it long? Yeah, yeah, is it yeah. Long? If, I've yeah. read longer. I mean, that's I've a, seen longer. I've yeah. seen bigger. I mean, it's Anthony Kiedis' book is shorter. I've read that book. It's, it's shorter. shorter. I think it's so. It's 460 something pages. Are you sure about I that? I am sh- pretty sure about that. Um. All That's I know like, is when I when I'm t- turning in a book, they always say aim for three hundred. Aim for three hundred. Okay. So we got sixty five extras yeah. here. Yeah. But um. But no. I mean, it's an intense, crazy, crazy story. I mean, how many times it, in treatment in all? Uh I'd say about thirty one treatments. I mean, you know, now when I say treatment, I count all the methadone clinics and trying to kick out know, methadone, methadone detoxes right. and outpatient clinics where they give you loads of drugs. And, right. you know, like, they say, like, well, take these at this time and take these at this time of day. And then it's like when you're crawling out of your skin, I just take it all at once. And right, right, that's how right. I crash some cars. Right. And uh, Is that like Suboxone, you mean? No, this was way before Suboxone. It was like some methadone, I mean, uh, an outpatient clinic in Glendale, we found, me and my girlfriend at the time, Sherry, we found it, and we just, they just will give us, like, a, a packet, yeah. pack, these packets. And what are they? Stuff. They're opiates? It was like, um, like, a Visterol, Clonidine, uh, um, uh, Robaxin, and... And just, you know, mild, just very mild stuff that, you know, if you're a full-blown Amateur junkie. Amateur shit. It's like, yeah, yeah it's not really going to, it didn't do a damn but thing. But if you took you know. it right now, you might pass out I, on I, the I, chair. <laughs> right? I don't, yeah. So, and so, and it was, was it finally Cry Help was the, the one that you, that finally cry got help you was, clean? Well, Cry Help was one of the ones. I did get about two years after I came out of there. Two years, two years, I think two or three years. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up because I've been to Cry Help five times. Yeah. So. Um, I actually went down to this one in Georgia, and oh, I got yeah. sober down there. And here's something new for you, Anna. Yeah. I I went to Brazil and I had a slight little relapse. Yeah. And uh, I'm in a place right now. I'm leaving on Saturday. I'm in a place called Community Recovery right now. Oh my Brilliant. god! Oh, so okay. Yeah. So breaking wow. news. Breaking because I was just you? about to say like, oh, how many years? So the but but you yeah. seem certainly not like the guy described in this book. Yeah, you know. Um, I don't know. With my bouts in and out of sobriety, there's always something else that needs to be uncovered. Something yeah. I haven't learned. Something I haven't dealt with. Something that's deep, so suppressed or repressed that I just haven't gotten to it or won't even let it come up. And so it comes up, and you get scared, and you and you use. Well, what happened this time is uh, I let it come up, let it be exposed, just let myself be really vulnerable to everybody. I didn't care who was watching, what the hell's going on. You know, I just. Let it all up and expose it all to, like, you know, the 
I never dealt with ther- therapists. Therapy, come on, like therapists. You like never I, went, I never really went. I never really went. You know, right, never, right, right. So we have like therapy and like these uh, consolation groups and all yeah, this yeah, family yeah. stuff. That so you're are you in treatment right now? I am right now in outpatient or in inpatient. I'm in inpatient. Where do you, we shouldn't say where? I mean, that's private. Um, but but wow. If you, if you want me to, I will. I no, care. I mean, like, I don't know if that's. Yeah, who who knows? I'm leaving Saturday anyway. You're leaving treatment yeah. on Saturday, so you've yeah. been there like 25 days or something. I've been there for th- nearly three months. Wow. No, okay. It'll be three months. It'll See, be 90 days. Okay, yeah. on Saturday. That's our sober lingo. 90 days. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, and, and uh, ch- are you taking and you, chips and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're doing the whole. I didn't thing. want to. I didn't yeah. Want to. And some lady, intervention lady, said that uh, you're not taking those chips for you. I was like, oh, hmm. Yeah. Good point. It's a, yeah. Good point. And uh, so I just went up, you know, I did it on, you know, people either you find the people who really love you and are really there no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the people who are just kind of like surface fair weather friends who yeah. are just like get really scared. And I understand both sides. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Maybe, How uh, long were good. you sober when that happened? Uh, two and a half years, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I was three, three, three and a half. Yeah. I'm sorry. Three and a half. Three and a half years. Three and a half and, years. And then, and then something came up, not in therapy. It just kind of came up. Mm. And, and like, I want to make sure I get it, like where, the, the, where you got exposed or what you were talking about with that. Because I think that's so important. Yeah, it is important. I was, um, I was in Brazil and uh, we were touring. And I'm usually all right once I have, if I'm, have a responsibility yeah. to, to, you know, like gigs, you know, and I have to be there and I have to do these interviews and I have to do all, whatever I'm yeah. doing. But I, I'm cool. And then, um, like, the tour was over. Everybody was going to stay there one day and go home. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go hang with my friend for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, bad idea. It's like, yeah, it was bad. It, like, yeah. with no. And I was like, hey, man, I need to get to a meeting. Hey, man. And he's dealing with his kids and his wife and his job. And he just can't get me to a meeting out of David. Right. But you could have gotten so, yourself. Right. I could. Well, it's kind of, it's a little bit tougher. It's, Speaking Portuguese. Yeah, and my, yeah, yeah. my broken Portuguese needs some help. And, you know, I had internet access if I would stay in this one area. Right. Like near the kitchen sink. Right, and uh, right, and it, right. it was it was really tough. But I had talked to my sponsor and all this kind of stuff. I was doing whatever I could, but I said, "Chris, look, man, I got to get to a meeting. I got to yeah. get to a meeting. I don't care if it's Portuguese. I have to get to a yeah. meeting." He didn't get me to a meeting, and so we went to Rio de Janeiro and uh, hung out with these crazy skater kids. And they were uh, they were just they one night they decided to get some coke and they were sniffing coke, and I was like, told the other guy, "Let let me have some of that." Meanwhile, he'd given us some rupees. Rupees, like oh. like rupees, like a date rate drug. So to sleep, that's just that's just the equivalent of their black market. Like so they don't already, have all the you'd stuff. You already we taken have. a roofie. I'd already taken one. Right. So you'd already so gone out by the time I'd, you saw the coke. Yeah, but but, but you didn't uh, think but that way. I didn't. I didn't really. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's just like sleeping. sleeping. I got to go to sleep. You yeah. know, I, I find it hard to sleep in a room full of people. But like and, most people probably like take a roofie and don't wake up for like three days, right? I've, n- I've never been. Re- I'm happy to say I've never, I've never been roofied. Uh, you yeah. never been roofied. <laughs> yeah, roofie raped. But you, no, you so you roofied been. yourself, and you slept. And I went right to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, morning. and so then you did the coke, and there was no one around. No, I didn't you, do the coke. Oh, okay. I didn't do the coke. Okay. Uh, I asked them, and the guys were pretty protective. They're like, "No, they, you're you know, not they roofies are not really considered a you know drug a there. drug." Yeah. 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 So, um, so the, yeah, they uh, ended up. They were like, "No, don't give the age any coke. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He won't get out of the country. It's fucking crazy. Don't fucking give him anything." So they didn't. Right. And I came back here and I shared about it to some people and I was like, "So the mental obsession had already been had started the wheels turning yeah. and you know released the phenomenon of craving." Yeah, you know? and that's so, real. Yeah, it was a real thing. It was a real thing. And I went downtown and I just went, and I smoked some crack, like, which is not usually what I would go for first. Right, right, right. some crack and then smoke some more crack and then I got some heroin and crack and then it just spread out throughout a month and, and you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't hide it or nor did I want to hide it or detain it anymore. Well, the beautiful thing about it is that um, people from, you know, 
the place we go. Do I yeah. say it? Do I say the name? I, it, yeah? I let I let yeah. people say it if they right. want to and they don't have to if they people, don't want to. People yeah. who love me just called and they were yeah, they people were just, they from, just, just from they called me and they said, Hey, what's yeah. up? What are you doing, man? What's going on with you? Did you I haven't seen you. Right, right, right. So Did you tell them when you were that month? You were just staying away from it. You know, when you were using, were you telling anybody? Uh, no, I wasn't really strung, uh, strung out. <laughs> right. Strung like a Stradivari, strung like a Stratocaster, strung, I wasn't strung out yet. And so. what did Garuda know? Uh, yeah, when did Garuda know? Well, I could detect a change when yeah. he was in Brazil. Right. I, I could tell, like, his he's usually a pretty easygoing guy. Like, he's he's definitely got temper issues to work with, you know, like I do too. But, you know, I could just tell he was he was irritated a lot. And I was thinking to myself, God, he's fucking dry. And, I, you know, I do Al-Anon yeah. as well. And, um, you know, I took my suggestions there. And it's like, okay, Garuda, stay out of it. This is his. You yeah. know, he's got to do what he's got to do. And I would just say, like, hey, baby, have you gone to a meeting? He's like, no, no, no. And, and, you know, I was like, okay, all I can do is pray. And when he came back, I still noticed he wasn't quite the way he normally is. He's usually really dependable and, and loving. And the loving was there, but the dependability was dwindling. And um, and then I, I just noticed he sounded a little different on the phone. And we had the same drugs of choice. So, you know, knew. I knew. And one day we were supposed <laughs> to go to a meeting. And he's like, oh, babe, I'm not going to go. And I was just like okay, I'm walking over to his house. And I walked over, and he was high on the couch. And But again, it's like I work my program. Right. It's like I'm not going to come at him like, yeah, what did you do? You know, I just sat down. I was like, hey, baby, I've noticed this, this, and this. Did you go out, honey? And he was very honest. Yeah. And he was like, yes, I did. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and he talked to his sponsor, went to some meetings, um, let everyone in his, his uh, circle, yeah, his know. man support mm-hmm. circle know. And, um, yeah, you know, to varying degrees, like some people, like he said, you know, couldn't physically be there, but people called all the time. I took suggestions again and, and worked my own, both programs around it, and I was like, okay, I can physically be there. And um, if I find it's too hard to be, then I will leave, go right. to a meeting, and then come back when I can. And I let him know that, that, like, you know, I know as an addict myself, I can't make somebody stop. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm not going to try, right. you know, and right, I will right. be there to the extent that I can. And fortunately, it was, I, I could handle a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I said, and, you know, when I can, I won't be. But, but, you know, I'm always here when you're ready to be clean again. And you, if you need help, I'm here. And your men are there, and and you know what to do, and we're we've got you. We're behind right. you when you're when you're ready. And so I really tried not to pressure. Like sometimes I failed, you know, and I made amends. But um, did she fail? Not very often, huh? No. What first pressure? Yeah, yeah. Pressure me? Yeah. No, I I don't even I don't even care. I was just like whatever I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I was kind of like uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. It's too late now. <laughs> you can't yeah. save me. But then, and then you said, "Okay, I'm ready to check in somewhere." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like well, actually, it was a little bit. It was premature. Some guys from my band came over. From my band, Polygro came over. And they were like, oh, they made a bunch of phone calls because we're all dialed in, and we know these yeah, guys. Yeah, map. They're like, calling up map, map again. They're calling up map. They're calling this other guy. He's got the place in Malibu, and right. they're like, "Ah, oh, where well, you going over to Hollywood Detox?" And I was like. Uh, I was kind of like I knew that I wasn't ready, but I just went to just shut save face and lose ass, you know. So I, yeah, I just went. Yeah, and you know, shut them up. And I knew I had some stuff coming up that I wanted to be present uh, yeah present for, available for yeah, yeah, and yeah, responsible. Yeah. And uh, so I just went, and it was like a ten day detox, and it was they. I ended up leaving there the day I left there. Now I did finally get. Uh, Subutex, Suboxone, whatever, yeah. whatever it is, whatever it is. Yeah. I had Suboxone. So they, at Detox, they put you on Suboxone. Yeah, but I think they dosed me down. I, the last day, I was still dosing off of Suboxone, mm-hmm. and I went home, and I was pretty sick the next day, and I was just uh, like, well, Supposedly, it's harder to detox off than heroin. Yes, well, that's what they say. I don't think so. I mean, I haven't been on it for any long period of time, like years, you know. Right, maybe. but they also took you down. Yeah, they take you down. They take you down. They 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 dose you down, but but no, your treatment so. center do, won't allow you to be on it, or they will. Oh no! no. When I went there, it was, I started out 
on Excuse it. Excuse me, on Suboxone, yeah. yeah. And, and I got dosed down every, yeah, every yeah, week yeah. until it was like one milligram. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, I, I think I need more. And I got like an extra day. Right, and, and then they and, took right, it And then, yeah, then, then, yeah, then uh, once you're off it, it, it was just, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it sucks, but it's not nearly as bad as, uh, as uh, just, you know, Eating cold turkey or yeah. just, just anything like that. But also, so. people they're put you know treatment centers are putting people on Suboxone and keeping them on Suboxone for life. For a long time, yeah. For a long time, yeah. Yes. For life, yeah. yeah. It's horrible because they want to keep getting that money. Some of the cats, man, they do it for the money and not for the love of doing the thing to help another person. Yeah. In need to to deal with their problem. A lot, you know. Fortunately, the place I'm at, they don't do that. They, yeah. They, you know, if you're not done in a month, it's like. Uh, yeah, if you have a long, if you're on methadone or something, you've been on it for like five years or something. Sure, they're, they're going to take a couple of months or three months to to dose you off of it. But, but you know, if you're just off the streets, just doing junk for a while, they don't care for a few years. It's like, yeah, they want to dose you down. They really want you to get better. Yeah, you know, they really want you to get better. They kind of they care a little bit more than like some places are there for the paycheck, there for the yeah. $50,000 or whatever they're getting. And yeah. I've heard some horror stories of like people, uh, clients being able to just go and get their own meds. Oh, yeah. Like, what? <gasps> like, they have the keys to the med cabinet? I know, I know. Well, there was all this stuff that went down with the 180, that place. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That might have, well, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's a really, it's like, you know, it's like somebody was saying to me the other day, an addiction doctor, it's the wild, wild west. It's boomtown. Yeah. So these uh, treatment centers are making up their own rules. Yeah, yeah. You know, and. Um, I mean, who do they fucking have to answer to? And, you know, and I think, I, I think, the, and their argument with the medication is, well, there are some people who are never going to be able to do the AA thing. They're never going to be able to be totally clean. And um, maybe that's true. Maybe. But, right. but the fact that they're going to that as a first option rather than as a last resort is yeah. right, kind of right. scary, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, but, and so you, um, I mean, I would love to kind of go chronologically, you know, way, way, way back. At, you know, I loved the book. I didn't say that yet. You, you know. I, as yeah. an alcoholic, you're okay. going to notice if I didn't say that. She didn't <laughs> say she loved the book. Uh, <laughs> I never heard her say that. Uh, I loved the book. Well, I could not put well, it thank down. thank you. I loved it too. Um, and, you know, thank and you. so, you know, basically, you know, and, and it's almost, it, it sounds cavalier to even talk about, you know, you know, there was a lot of trauma as a kid. A lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. That's some of the issues that, that I hadn't dealt with either. Yeah. You know? Like I may like brushed on the surface and like said something about it at this place or that place and and some places don't even deal with that. They don't even deal yeah. with they don't even you know. Well I do think that that's something that, how no. it's a treatment is evolving. I think that people you know, in the recovery, you know, industry are now aware of the intense connection between trauma and addiction. It really it really uh and affects your life and, yeah. and for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you don't deal with it, and even if you do deal with it, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. It's something you have to just really recognize. Like me, I got beaten as a child a lot. I got in a lot of fights. I got, um, you know, my family was dysfunctional, and I had an alcoholic father. Yeah. Right? Who would do savory things like stick guns in my face. The stepdad. Dad stuff. Your stepdad. Yeah, the stepdad, right? And now, even when I'm in arguments, my, my, my senses are heightened. And, and I'm aware, and sometimes I almost sort of stop breathing. Like yeah. you know, it's like having yeah. a fight, a flight thing, and and you're just you're just ready, and you um, and that all just stems from from uh, traumatic childhood. Yeah, I mean, so. it's like you know, if you sort of subscribe to the Freudian, you know, which I do, which is like basically everything. I'm always saying this, like every podcast I talk about this, turn, you know, fast forward, you guys, if you're sick of it, but you know, everything important happens from zero to seven, everything. Yeah. And so we spend from eight to 89 or whatever, trying to undo, if we suffer trauma, mm -hmm. undo what happened in those years. Cause it's like, you know, so yeah, you learn as a kid, somebody sticking a gun in your face as a regular thing, you better have, you know, your body is, gets flooded with the endorphins or whatever, it, not endorphins is the wrong word, you know, to fight that off. Yeah, and well, so then when uh, you get triggered to anger later, that floods your body again. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. the least scientific explanation ever. Yeah, and even... <laughs> no, it's not the I least scientific. I understood it. I understood it. Sleep. <laughs> right, child, it right. makes it hard to sleep. Yeah. Do you have, I have such sleep issues. Uh, yeah, I don't sleep very well. 
Yeah. yeah. That's why I took the roofies. Exactly. Well, the thing is, I had a big Ambien thing, and I never yeah. thought of it as a drug. I was like, I I need yeah. Ambien. What are you talking about? Like, I need to sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, but but so so okay, and you got out of you got out of there fast. Like as a kid, you so you I mean you were only oh, 17. 17, 17 yeah. and you went off to San Francisco, right? My hometown, by the way. Oh, what? Bam! Yeah, I'm from Marin, so no, I'm not okay. like you. Oh, you're not hella hella bad. Yeah, no, no, I'm cool. so not part of like you know, what you, know, you just city, thought when you slapped city, me. City. No. Oh. No, I'm from oh, Marin. I lived one of those in pretty Cow untouchable Hollow. girls. Like, if I could just get with her, I I'd, be like, I'd be across the Golden Gate Bridge and in I'd be Marin. away from this hellhole and this madness for the people who are keeping me down and all these homeless, disgraceful vagabonds making my life a living hell. You could say it like that. And then that. you just walk away and you go. No, or you could say <laughs> you were like, you know, it like where San Francisco was happening and I was like, in the marina. In the, you know what I mean? Oh, like like oh, having oh, a beer with like a guy in a fraternity sweatshirt. Oh, you know what I mean? Like that was my scene in San Francisco. Okay, that, so, that, that's, that's, does that, that. Does that help? No, I mean, if we want to compare low bottom stories, no, no, no. yeah. No, that my bottom. I think I would win. Yeah, no, I think you'd beat anybody. I mean, you beat you beat anybody. I would never enter that competition. But it, it when I moved to LA, it got uglier. It definitely yeah, got right, uglier. Right. But well, I just wanted, does. yeah, it yeah, just exactly. Does. It can always get uglier. There was rules to punk rock, and we weren't allowed to do such things. What do you mean? Like we weren't allowed to hang out with guys with fraternity sweaters. No, of course not. That, it would, we weren't even <laughs> supposed. We weren't supposed to be allowed to smoke pot. We weren't allowed to like. Uh, only wear certain clothes, which all these fucking Wait, uniform why things you smoke came with. Because it was for hippies in San Francisco. Like you know, we kind of I kind of grew up in the hate Ashbury yeah. sort of thing. It was still sort of a left overture from uh, from the fucking sixties yeah. and seventies, yeah. and there were still people around like Jerry Garcia, God man, you know, oh and, and you know, and they were like at a permanent acid psychosis, and, yeah. and 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 I would hang with some of them because I was kind of like. Didn't have a job, and got nothing to do, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know that many people, and I had some jobs, but it was like I had a lot of free time, so I would hang out in Hippie Hill in the park, and right. playing drums, and, and uh, taking lots of acid, and right. smoking lots of weed, so it was, that was commonplace for me, Yeah. but you know, and then, you know, you get in the punk, I got in the punk rock world, and it was like, no, you know, um, nobody in the bands I was with was saying that, except Jello Biafra would kind of give you like these, like we don't drink beer at rehearsal, right? Like, <laughs> it's I, not I was like, hardcore. Is that like huh? what? Like right? <laughs> is this like a? It was. It was like no. We can wax philosophical about politics for three hours and not even touch an instrument, but we don't. Right? No, Do beer? No. Drink pot, no. 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 And he was dead set against like that hippie because he came from Boulder, and Boulder was another hippie town. Yeah, for sure, hippie, hippie. Uh, uh. So, so okay, and then okay, so you moved in with uh, pretty quickly with this like uh, Pearl and Linda. Pearl and Linda, yeah. So, and that was just crazy, like coke, like, and they were like coke, and I never seen gay people before in my life. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, and like Pearl was flaming. Honey he had a big honking Jewish nose, and he was had this curly hair, and he had these bracelets, and they would like jingle around, and he did these impersonations of Janis Joplin, and he was the Janis Joplin. That was his act. He was the Janis Joplin impersonator. Impersonator, right? Yeah, right. And I, I didn't figure this out till years later. Wait, which that, part that he that was... that he was that he was a gen that he was doing Janis Joplin? I was just, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I was. I think it probably about Judas Priest or something, but um. But this is when also the drugs like really kicked in. This was the kind of the sort of the introduction, yeah. Like you know the the liquid LSD and the eyeballs Ugh. and and uh, the sugar cube acid and they had coke. When Linda would come home, she'd play with herself in the chair and <laughs> I never. Wow, I was like, wow, whoa, yeah. ah, ah, it was that was really like. I'd never seen anything. Like never, ever seen anything like that. Right. And it was pretty graphic. Did, did I do a good job of explaining you, it? Yeah, in the book, the book yeah? is graphic. Did you? Like, yeah. Because it's you, got like the. Did you have any feelings? 
Yes. You, yeah. Well, I, Th- that's that's I'm just I'm asking because saying. interviewing yeah. who? Let's get that straight. No, okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I just felt well, how put did on that the make spot. you feel? No, um, <laughs> no. I told you I couldn't put it down, and you know I read it in like three. I only read it at night. It's like a weird thing. I don't read during the day. Like I read it in like three nights. Me too. And, um, too. and did you write it in three? Nights? I'm kidding. You, no. you know, hardly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, and and because also I'm from San Francisco, so some of it you know was familiar and yet wholly unfamiliar to yeah, my. Yeah, you, know you know what people tell me that about St. Louis and the guy who wrote the forward, Bill Needlesetter, he was like from St. Louis as well, and you know we were both born there, but his world in St. Louis was a lot different than my world. He was like, you know, they're just completely like yeah, it's like a different yeah, city, yeah, different, yeah, different, yeah. But I mean. But Somewhere I get the feeling in San Francisco, somehow we would have, like, I would have maybe saw you on Bard or... Yeah. Like, hey, like, no, I got it. It really got to emphasize quite you know, how uncool some, or, or, I like, was. But I wasn't the, the icon of coolness that you see sitting before you with the two chats now. She's cool. She's cooler than the polar bear's no, toenails I mean, I just, all up in Antarctica. I just, you know, when you don't know yourself at all, you know, it was like, I, I thought that, like, going to the blue light on Union Street was like, I would find my people. Like, you don't even know what that right, is. Right, You've right. never even, uh, like, You know what? I worked at the... Street. I you worked on Union and Grove. At... I don't. Need, I don't know Grove. No. No. Because no, I was talking like Pacific Heights, like that. That like. No, Union Venice. Like Venice. the Cal. The the. Uh, oh my God. The the bars. The Sun Grove. The Sun Grove. Was See, there. that was universal. again a cool neighborhood. I was not was, in those. Oh, no. Okay. No. It was a ritzy neighborhood. I just worked there, and right. then I had to leave and. We got fired because I took some acid one night and I ate some sausage and I'd already been a vegetarian and this threw up and the sausage came out of my nose. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, is that too much? No, I, I'm, I'm really. I could taste it. You know, I could taste. I could really taste it too. Yeah. And then, um, and then, um, me and Eddie fell asleep and then they called us sleeping on the job and we got fired. I don't want to hire a guy who's gonna vomit sausage through his no. I mean you know what well, I mean man, I, I, um, <laughs> but okay but okay wait, so then okay but and so then you audition. I wasn't for, even 18 yet so what, what are you gonna do oh my god yeah. so you audition for the Dead Kennedys in San Francisco yes and you and they're I mean the, that part is like and they're just like okay you're in uh, yeah it was kind of like I was and all those unresolved issues we were talking about earlier yeah. like you know just being black and growing up in St. Louis that it's just like you're never going to do anything except for clean somebody's f- f- freaking floor. Yeah. That's, yeah. Floor or work at a restaurant or, you know, even in St. Louis, even then, black folks were landscapers still. You know, right. it wasn't like a big Hispanic trade. Not yet. And, and you know, of course, we were drug dealers and filled up the prisons. And that was the, the whole life that I kind of, I mean, you know, there were people who aspired and did everything, you know, there were black teachers and everything, but I just didn't know a lot of them. There wasn't a lot of them in my neighborhood as yeah. influences. Yeah. You know, the influences I saw were like, you know, my Oscar who shot his brother over here right, or, right. or Sparky who, um, who, uh, like grabbed Nella head by the hair and like, you know, beat her, beat her down because, you know, she burnt the bacon or something. Right, and, and like, right. it was a different time where like, there was no like, Oh, you don't, um, there should never be any reason you should hit a woman. It was like, that happened all the time. And right. like, there was none of that. I didn't hear that until like, till I was well into living in California for like 10 years. Right. I was like, you did well, not know wow, that I did not, not know that that was not, have an argument. I was like, wow, well, my mother just got the, the shit kicked out of her for all the, you know, for, wow, that's, wow. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. And and you know, and then huh. I'd go back and visit and kids Kids would go, oh, my father hit me. If my father beat me like they beat you, I'd call Child protect- Protective Custody Services on them, and uh, I'll, have you, I'll have you thrown in jail. And and uh, it's just a different time. It's, it's a, a different, different time. time. It's a different time. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, these parents were just, you know, doing what they what was done to them. Right. And what, you know? Working with what they had. Well, and I thought it was really interesting. Throughout the book, you sort of talk about your mom and, and, and with so much forgiveness. Yeah, and and I and I admired that. I thought I, I wish I could have that much forgiveness around like my dad and all this stuff. You yeah, know? you know, if you want to heal and really heal, yeah. like you know, there's got to be that yeah. because there's so much. As much as I think was done to me, there's a lot that I got. Yeah, so I, I got I got their DNA. Yeah. I got this drive. This ADD, HD, dyslexic kid wrote a book. Okay, I got this drive, this energy, this unrelenting energy. Sure unharnessed and letting it go in the wrong direction it'll get me in a lot of trouble 
But if I focus it in the right direction, I can do something amazing. Do, do I can do something. I can do anything I want. And right? also, the, was it Uncle Jim? The Uncle Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. How could I forget that? You are from Marin County, aren't you? Uncle Jim. <laughs> Uncle James. I'm kidding. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> I had an Uncle James. See, Uncle James. See, I know some things. You know that. I know yeah. some things. But so, but you and you literally got. You think you got your musical talent from you know came down like you know. Ah, uh, you know, some. I didn't want to like. I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. But all of a sudden, like my when I found out who my biological father was, it was quite. A, it was like, oh, okay, so I'm okay to be because my biological father. We all there was three sets of kids. And we all had different fathers. Right, right, Like, my right. brother had a different... My brother had a different father who I'd never seen. He later on went and visited in Chicago. And he has, like, 20 kids. And my father, uh, which gave birth to me and my twin sister, Diane, uh, we never met him. We never met him. And apparently he died and lived not too far away from us. And he's... Um, he's... Uh, he's uh, uh, he was a guitar player. He was oh, a guitar really? Player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that, and because right. the father I grew up with, Russell Henley, was like, he was not a guitar player. Yeah. And, and it was just so confusing. And he was very light skinned. But did you, you thought he was your natural. dad? Natural. Until, until like, literally until I was like 30 oh, something. Wow. Oh, 30. Wow. I was the first time I, like, well, I tried to get sober in the Chili Peppers, like, I was like 27. I tried. And, right. It was, I was, it was, I don't, I want to say cultish, but I didn't even know really, I didn't have the words to say, oh, it was kind of cultish. I was just very afraid, like, I was afraid to keep doing what I was doing, but it was definitely, I definitely was not ready to, like, be in a, a in a sort of fraternity or, like, the fellowship. Right, right, uh, right, right. Quite yet. Quite um, yet. I, that was, it was scary to me. That was, um, well, I want to go back to that, but I, but I also thought it was really interesting in the book how you talk about how they're like, sorry, man, you know, they kick you out, and, and you'd watch, and I read Anthony's book, what they did yeah. put up with with Anthony and sort of dealing yeah. with that. Right, right. You know? And I knew that, and part of me knew that, but it was, you, when you're in the grips of, like, heroin addiction, there's just not, it don't matter what has happened to to anybody. Like, who right. could get her arms chopped off, and I'd be like... yeah. And you did have well, some. Oh, you know what? I got a um, then I can we can I can like you yeah. know wrap your arm up, you know, right. and try to sew it back up. Like, let me just get this hit. First. Let me get high. Let me get first. high first. <laughs> Steady my nerve. First. Take the edge <laughs> off, as they say. Yeah. Take the edge off. It's more like put the edge on, isn't it? Yeah. The edge of the knife yeah, to yeah. your bloody throat. You two never used together, right? No. no. Yeah. No, we met sober. Yeah. <laughs> and um. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm it's gonna a say. very good yeah. thing. Yeah, because I'm low bottom too. It would have definitely we would have pulled each other way down. Well, and you did have a couple of relationships that were like that. You yeah, know? I did did. You were mutual yeah. bad influences on each other, kind of. Uh huh. A couple. Um, one of actually, a few of them are just flooding to my mind right now. Yeah. Um, well, Sherry was the big one, right? Yeah, Sherry was a big one, but she. She actually did clean up and like, and uh, she just was one of the, she was one of the first ones to say, like, like her, her whole thing that she went through, um, when it finally came time for her to get clean and sober and get rid of me, I was kind of shocked really that she would say, like, you can't stay here. I can't even help you no more here. You got to go to Union Station Foundation, which is basically a homeless shelter. And like, I can't, you know, you need to get help. And I just kind of looked with the, with the cow eyes and the sad face, like, "Why are you not doing? Why, right? Why are you not helping me? You can't just throw me out. This is like it was like tra- the trauma of getting beaten by my mother, like getting kicked out of the Chili Peppers, getting kicked out of like other bands. For that's what it felt like to me. Right. And uh, feeling like uh, Ursina when I when I when I Ursina slept with some other. Girl, and I was like a young cat, and who didn't know. I was like, "Well, this is love, right? This is love. I'm right. thinking it's love." Right, and then right, I know right. that everybody in San Francisco is pretty much a whore, right. including myself. I, I mean, I became a whore later, <laughs> a drunken whore, right. drunken black punk rock whore. Yeah. Well, no. well, but like, how much do you think that that influenced your getting better? The fact that she was like, "I'm not going to take this anymore." The whore- 
Gage Pelikro. Hey. And so, and so, where were we? Okay, um, I wanted to get it. Okay, so you you live in San Francisco in this house where the paramedics came three times in a week. Like that's how crazy it was in terms of overdoses yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and all Mission of that. Eight. And that's that. Again, I was a little frustrated with the uh, with the editing there because um, mm-hmm. common daily occurrences there. People running in, people running out. People running in, people coming up to buy speed. And the the guy who lived in the middle was like one of the biggest speed dealers and she was like Oreo speed dealer in San right. Francisco. His right. name was he, he's dead now. Yeah. His name was Sweet. We lo- I mean, loved him. He was like Daddy Sweet, but he right. had that room full of gear and Frank Zappa records and birthday party and guns and gear and leather jackets and shit piled up to the you know that if there was a hoarders back then Yeah, he would have been He would he would have been. And then there was a dumpster across the street too, so He would take stuff from there? Uh, he would just he couldn't not Sort of had to look in there and look and like, well, I'm like, speed for gotta, you, right? That's speed, you know, that's speed. But, you know, and that wasn't like a big deal. Like, nobody really overdosed on speed. They would just tweak and maybe uh, take apart an engine in the kitchen yeah. or something, you know. So, <laughs> a car engine disposal. in the kitchen. Yeah. Or like, hey, let me fix your stereo. Like, nine hours later. <laughs> it's you in know, pieces. You know, yeah. And people get very industrious. And, so, and, on the, that and drug. the police would come there for. God, they came there because somebody jumped through the thing trying to get away from, you know, them. Yeah. Dun, 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 the, dun. the eternal them. The, the eternal thems. And, and uh, the cops were kind of cool. They just knew that our, our place was kind of rigged like that. But, yeah, when um, people like me moved in and, and, and uh, there was like the heroin epidemic, people started doing heroin there, there was like, you know, yeah, near deaths and and. The, and Paramedics would come a couple times a week and revive somebody with Narcan and a defibrillator and and uh, bring them back to life. But me, when I lived there, I, I would shoot some coke sometimes, but not really. I wasn't in. I wasn't strung out on heroin yet. Right, yet, right, right. Because it's L.A. where you got really strung out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you came down here and like in this like kind of school bus thing that was parked next to an apartment, kind of. <laughs> yeah. And you lived there. Yeah, we yeah. Um, yeah, my friend Mark was just kind of an, uh, he was he was a bit of a hippie himself, a bohemian guy, mm-hmm. and he he really had these dreams of like, uh, just kind of traveling around the country and parking where he wanted to, and and uh, he wanted to start a marble company. He started a marble company and he sold it, and he, he wanted to open up a hotel in Puerto Rico, and he went and did that as well, and. And so he just kind of talked me into like moving to San Francisco, and and uh, I was like, "Sure, man, Huckleberry, I'll go with you." And and uh, and we ended up at the Wheaties house. We didn't know it was like the center of the Hollywood hipsters, I guess. Back we were the hipsters. We right. were the hipsters. We were the crew. Right, right, we were right. The dropout crew. And then you moved into Jane's room in Perry Farrell's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That 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 place had to be. Cursed, yeah, and you know, uh, seeing a young Dave Navarro coming around and Steve Perkins with the big hair <laughs> that was kind of a sight. They'd never even really heard of the chili peppers, and uh, uh, yeah, um, that was uh, uh, that was when it really I, I remember waking up that morning. That was when, it, in that room, in that house, is when it really happened. I've been sniffing the China White for a while, and I just woke up, and I was like, oh, God, I feel horrible, man. Oh. And I knew, like, right then, like, knew exactly what was going to fix it. Right. I knew exactly what would take away everything, and called up Giuseppe, got some of the China White, and that was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. I mean, because right. there, there was no... I, w- I didn't think that there was any way that, you know, you're going to be able to, like, oh, I'm going to get off this. I'm just like, I got to get more money. Right, right, right. You know, so I can money. stay on this forever. Yeah, so I can, yeah. And it felt fine. And then. As soon as I stopped vomiting. And so, and so, um, then, you jo- joining the Chili Peppers, we kind of did that. Um, mm-hmm. Rehab map. Um, I have all these notes. It's just yeah, like methadone clinic. Yeah, no, Dart. <laughs> Dart was a ghetto rehab. Uh Heron, uh, oh, oh, compartment syndrome in your right leg. Oh, that was yeah. just talk about graphic. Well, you know, um, I want to just talk about, um, yeah, going to Dart for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like a, 
that was like a revisiting of St. Louis from a whole different angle where like I'd moved out and become this rock star and traveled around the world and became a, like a real live rock star. Yeah. But, you know, in, in a sort of an underground sense, I mean, we weren't like Prince or by any means. And, but, and they had never, not really heard, there was a few people there who were mostly staff and a couple of white people. I don't know how they got in this rehab, but uh, right. they were in there and, and, and the rest was all brothers and sisters and they didn't, they were like, who are you, who you think you is? And like, they, it was just like a lesson in beyond ghetto-ness. Like yeah. they were like, really didn't have any, you know, any, any respect for anybody. Yeah. And it was just like, uh. I like it really had to dummy down and like they didn't like the way I talked. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm like, oh, I must be this some kind of you, you think you're like better than us because you talk like that. Right. And it's like you got an accent because they they would speak. They were like this kind of country. And yeah. they like, you know, sort of. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have what do you, I, I don't have no accent. Oh, you think you are. And then they made me like the uh, the. What is it like the, the the chore manager, the cleanup? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you, after you there for a couple of months, they start giving you these jobs, and you get the job that you hated the other guy for telling you to do, and then you, you eventually get that job. Right. Like you know, you got to clean up the kitchen, you got to clean up the day room, you got to clean the toilets, and then you know you get then they move you upstairs, and they know you're going to be there a little bit longer term, so they'll give you like the chore manager, and so you got to go around and check on all these guys and make sure that they uh, have done their chores. And they hate you. They hate you for it. And they, right. they, they're some of them are big guys, and they're tough guys. And they've like, uh, they've been to prison. They yeah. just, just, just furloughed right out of prison. And even though the rules there are not as uh, as not as tough as prison rules, and the consequences are not as tough, they still had that mentality like right. you were the authority guy, and you were you're you're the bad guy. But even though they yeah. had to do it too. Even, yeah, they had. Yeah, they would eventually have to do it, but. If people were assholes, they wouldn't give them the job. Oh, That's the I thing. So they like, gave it to like yeah. me and this old guy, old guy Henderson. They gave it to me and they gave it to him, and right. and and it was just it was just bullshit. But I mean, just some of the stories, the stories about the Grippins and yeah. and like the shit we would sit in the room and talk about, like yeah. how St. Louis has more gold tooths per capita than any other city. Like, how did this conversation get started? They were like we were. We, you know, we'd be tired all day, weren't allowed to sleep during the day, and we get in our room at night, and all of a sudden, suddenly, suddenly, I'm just kind of lowered down to like their level of right. like, we're in the room with a bunch of guys, and we're just talking, talking shit, just talking, just talking. Were these shit. guys interested like, in getting sober at all? Some of them were, and and um, and some of them you just didn't really know, but there wasn't. Like there wasn't a big heroin epidemic there. They still thought that I was like this. What is? Why is he? What's wrong with him? Why is he still sick? Like they'd be fine in a few days. Most of them were either crack, or they had some things in St. Louis called teas and blues, whatever that is. You know, but they didn't have a whole lot of heroin there in, right. in that city at the time. Uh, um, and I didn't. You know, I was just kind of worried about myself. I didn't really know. I didn't. Yeah. My, I wasn't kind of thinking that. You know. Are these guys really trying to get sober? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I wasn't even... But some people you could tell were, and most of them kind of worked there, right? You know, so, right, right. And, and 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 even some of them were a bit shaky and shady. So yeah, we just stay in the room and just talk all this trash, and we really should be sleeping. Uh, and uh, and I just heard some other some st- horrifying stuff that didn't make it in the book, but you know, like the guy. Like Eugene maybe mur- murdered some people, and but we don't really know. But he's hinting around that he did, and right. and you have to like try to go to sleep after this, right? And like Jerry Wiggins won't even say we call him Jay the Wig. He won't even say why would why have you done twelve years in the pen for what? Oh man, I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to. So not exactly yeah. promises. Not, yeah. morning coffee. No, kind of conversation. no, no. no. Yeah. Not promises, not uh not Betty Ford. <laughs> not pathfinders or pathway or Right, right. Uh but you know, then there I was in um Malibu Cross treatment too. Which was a as a small like 
it's a big house, but it was a six room sort of deal where it's thirty grand a month, and you got your own private room, and there's hot tubs, and there was healers, and masseuse, and five star chef, and yeah, and it was really small, and I wanted to kill somebody. Right, I really right, wanted to right, that right. I wasn't going to kill this guy. I was like, you know, and they're, they're, they're you know, all they were all rich kids, poor rich kids in Malibu, and they, uh, and they had this whole sense of entitlement. Yeah, and. You couldn't not talk them out of them. And if they didn't want to get up, they wouldn't get up. Yeah. Until like 9 or 10 or yeah. Yeah. 11. It's hard, I think, uh, yeah. with those rehabs because, wow. you know, wow. like you're saying, like some of them are worshiping the, bo- you know, the bottom dollar and they're not going to be able to get those clients if they don't allow them to do certain yeah. things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a, you know, a broken system, I think, in some ways. Um, yeah. The, can we get into the gross leg thing if I can handle it? <laughs> She's squinting her eyes. Anna David is squinting her she, eyes and gritting her teeth and holding, holding her herself arm. too. She's like, hey, look at the gross no, thing. I still, by the way, I still have the sausage vomiting out of the nose. Oh, okay. I, I don't handle gross things well. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, but but I but okay. I for my listeners for you guys I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna do this. She's gonna do so it. You're skin yeah. popping. Get, you know. get to the bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the kind of person like if you started to throw, let's say like you were my close friend, you started to throw up. Yep. I will throw up too, so yeah. I should not be the one to help you. you yeah, know yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I can get that sometimes. My mom can't stop swallowing. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. blow beats. <laughs> I'm gonna hurl. Watch out. Uh, but I usually don't though. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's really bad. That's uh, and I pat him on the back. Like, oh, you'll be all right. That's right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the so the just leg. give me all your money. So the leg. <laughs> so the leg. Uh. Yeah. What the, the, so, okay, so it just started to get gross and, and fall apart. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Okay. I don't want I don't want to tell you everything and then people don't want to buy yeah, the yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys, first you of know? all, buy this book. Buy this book. Buy this book. Um It's like it's not that expensive. It's not that expensive. How much it's, is it? It's 18 bucks. 18 That's bucks. most are like 24.95, so you're already right? saving money. I think it's even 13 bucks if you get it online. Yeah. But then there's I think a small Amazon shipping. is always running details and if yeah. you have Prime, it's free shipping. So there you so, go. You just got it for like See, I didn't even know that. Prime? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get Prime? You pay you it's, pay like 7 80 bucks a year and you get free mm-hmm. shipping. Wow, so I, you, you know my listeners. You guys all have Prime, right? Come so on, you people. know, just get this book. I mean, it's I, Anna I really, David show. I really, <laughs> the Anna David show, telling <laughs> you guys yeah. that you got to buy this book, and maybe, yeah. maybe we'll be able to work out and we do an excerpt on my website for it. I'm, awesome, yeah. right? I'm thinking I'll just come in and and I'll do a moth on your website, like a live moth. And what's a we'll, moth? Oh, just, a storytelling thing. Yes, yeah, so, a storytelling thing. Yeah. where you where you take something from the book and you yeah. act it out and relive it. And there Holy was a shit. tranny story. That didn't make it in the book. Oh. So we could release, like, things that didn't make it in. What's the, you, you're dying to tell a tranny story. No, I'll tell you the... the, the, the I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of, of uh, the uh, one-leg thing. Okay, so um, I had gone in, I had shot some Dilaudid in my leg, and it just turned into a big spongy lump. Yeah. And it was sort of smoldering and festering, and it smelled like... Dead dogs, maggots, rotted, vomit, and, you know, like the sewage system in India, which there is none. It's just kind of raw sewage. That's what my legs kind of smelled like. Uh, Are you you, you feeling me, people? Yeah. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Huh? Huh? Okay, so it stank, and I didn't care, and I was really just ready to die. I didn't didn't really, I didn't care at all. So, So my neighbors, fortunately my neighbors, I was good friends with them. They saw me, and they were like, Look, man, these people keep running in and out of your house. I don't know what's going on with you, but you look messed up and you got to go to the hospital. This was after I'd already went for kidney dialysis and all that. And right. Like that. Okay. So I go to the hospital and uh, I spend all this time in the waiting room, days, and I finally get in there and they uh, they anesthetize me and put me under and I kind of come to. Right. And... Like, the nurses, you know, I, I come out of the anesthesia because, you know, your tolerance builds up when you're on air on. Yeah, so they didn't my know. My tolerance builds they yeah. didn't know. But my eyes are wide open, but I could not move. So it was right. like the night of the living dead, so I couldn't move. And I'm laying there, and uh, and these doctors are poking and prodding and picking around. And, and I'm like, no, 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 no. See these scars right here on my arm, Anna David? Yeah. Right? They, they, they caught me open. They, these were like two little specks. They just sliced it open just to see what was in there. And I'm like, what? no, I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm laying on the gurney. I'm trying to say, no, no, I didn't sign a release for that. That's what I think I'm saying, but I'm Wait, not saying anything. Wait, is that what you're like, we're shiny? That's, 
That's, and they just yeah, did that? Yeah, they, this was, it was like, it was like a little bump. It was like a bump. And I've had abscesses before. I think with some antibiotics, it would have just went down. So you think they bumped. were just like, this guy does a lot they of drugs, just, no, let's no, study they, it? No, they was just kind of students. They were U, oh, USC God. students. They were like, well, well, doctor, I think we should do this, doctor. Yeah, and, and the doctor was like, you know, like I was sort of a live cadaver for yeah, them yeah, to yeah. work on. Oh. And, and that's pretty much. So I came out of it, and they'd done that, and I couldn't feel it because I'm kind of under, but I'm wide awake. And they start pushing the pus out yeah, of my yeah. leg, yeah, yeah. and the pus is coming out, yeah. and it's flying over. They have these masks on and gloves and uh, like this Were they shield. like, ew? Or do that, you remember that part? <laughs> it, it was, I just I remember looking at the guy, and he's squinting in his face, and he's got his nose turned up, and his face looks like a, uh, a Sharpay, and, and he's just like pushing. Like I could feel the pressure of him pushing, uh, and the pus was literally squirting over uh, his head on on his scrubs, on his face this shield. This is a diet show because you'll like, never yeah. eat again. It was, yeah, it was like really thick sperm or something. It was oh, just really God. nasty. It was nasty it all over disgusting. his. Yeah, but it didn't smell like sperm. Probably smelled good compared to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, wow. The next day they come around to my room doing the rounds and they can. Well, this is Mr. Uh, Mr. Mr. D. Henley, and uh, he's a blah, 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 blah male, and we extracted approximately a liter of pus from his uh. left thigh. And uh, it was just kind of like, then they left the room, you know, because the doctors do their rounds. Yeah. They left the room, and I was like, oh, I, was, I thought, what did it just say? A liter of, it didn't even register me, like a liter, like a, like a pet, like, hold on, Yeah, how much is on, a, a, like a, like that's two of these, but it's two of those. Two water bottles worth of pus. This this is what twelve ounces. This is five hundred milliliters. Five hundred milliliters. So, it's a lot of pus. It's a lot of pus. Whole lot of pus. Whole lot of pus. And then, then they what they do? They I stay there for two weeks, and um, God, it's another cast of characters. It's like when you're in that. Like, you meet these people who uh, who just don't want, they have no idea about really trying to get clean or sober. Uh, there was a guy running around, Chewy, and he was get, gathering money from people so he can go out and get heroin for them and shoot it up in their in their uh, IVs so they could, you know, get high. And he, apparently he had full-blown AIDS, and I heard it through the wire, and I was just like, no, man, I'm good, I'm good, I'm going to rehab, I would tell him, you know, and... And he shared it with a bunch of people. And, you know, he would, like, he would put it in the spoon, cook it up, use his old dirty needle, stick it in there first. So uh-huh. now the whole thing's contaminated. Yeah. And then all the guys have to pull theirs out of there, too. So and did they, they all get sick? I don't know if they all got sick yeah, or not. Yeah. I didn't hang around really fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they yeah. were still there in the room. I mean, you didn't know, like, that day. Exactly, like, yeah. Like, uh, uh, oh, wow. it was just that close, you know, inches, seconds and inches away from but I was I was I was kind of like the doc I'm like we're in the biggest dope house in the world man like what are you what are you, what are you guys doing just grumble a little bit talk to the doc grumble and talk to cry hell there was this old black dude in there he was like oh oh, oh! and then he was like yeah. I need some Del- I don't need Delana I need number 10 oh, God, oh. he did the drill and like, and, and Dasha was like, okay, okay, yeah. okay, here. And he was like, ah, in his little wheelchair, like, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to go Got cigarette? heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, that's how you do it. All right. That's how you do it. Okay, che- more direct route. about Chewy. Like, yeah. Okay, well, so, so, so this, this is a crazy life. You guys, if you don't buy this book, then I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know. I think, yeah. DH, thank you so much. You know, we'll I, I, I skipped Yay. over a lot of SSI, dead Kennedys, and acid stuff. And, but it's all there. It's all in it's the all book. It's all in the book. You and gotta you buy will, it. you will not regret it. No, and we might it. do an excerpt, which will tempt mm-hmm. you even further. But thank you so mm-hmm. much. Thank you for sharing this. You're very welcome, Anna David. Thanks Garuda. for having me on the show. Thank My you. favorite Garuda I've ever met. <laughs> 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 Thanks, you guys, so much.